Hi everybody, welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio for today. Thank you for tuning in. There is a controversy rolling around YouTube about universal salvation. Is it real or is that a myth? Is it possible that God will actually have the victory over death, over sin, so completely that everyone who ever lived will be saved? I'm here to say, no, that's not indicated in the Bible. Uh, There are people out there that say that it is indicated in the Bible. And I want to show you some prophecies by none other than John the Baptist. Did you know that John the Baptist actually uttered some prophecy? We're going to take a look at that. Now, I want to start with John 3. And I'm sure that most of you are very well familiar with the scripture. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, Here's what it says, here's the wording in the NLT. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only only son, excuse me, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Unquote. But it goes on. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against him or anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. The judgment is based on this one fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. I think that's pretty well put. So what about eternal salvation for everyone, or universal salvation for everyone? Is that real? Let's take a look at the rest of John 3 here and see what it says, and then we'll go into some of the Old Testament scriptures and take a look and see if it verifies this. Verse 22, Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there and the people kept coming to him for baptism. Then there's a parenthetical statement in verse 24. 
This was before John was thrown into prison. Verse 25, a debate broke out between John the Baptist's disciples and a certain Jew, or the Jews, as some other translations have that word, over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how I plainly told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. This, keep in mind, is John the Baptist speaking. Verse 31, He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth, and we speak of earthly things. But he has become or he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Oh, isn't that the truth? Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for he give, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Unquote. And that's also the end of John 3. Let's go back over that a second. Just over this last verse. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. To me, this is pretty clear, pretty clearly showing that there is a group of people who will rebel against God, not obey the Son of God, who will never experience eternal life, but instead the wrath of God. Speaking of which, let's take a look at Obadiah, let's see now, um, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah, 
Obadiah, a one-page book. And we've touched on this before. Let's start in verse 18. The people of Israel will be a raging fire. And again, this is the NLT, New Living Translation. It is a translation, not a paraphrase. The people of Israel will be a raging fire and Edom a field of dry stubble. What happens when fire meets dry stubble? It burns the stubble until there is nothing left. Completely nothing. And the ashes are just blown away. The descendants of Joseph will be aflame, roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken. No survivors? Wait a minute. If they're alive forever... If they have universal salvation and everybody gets saved, what what does this mean? God says, I've spoken. You know, this is like nailing it shut. This is like, um, you know, peening over the end of the nail to clench it tight. There's no way you're going to undo that. There will be no survivors in Edom. Now, let's see what the uh, King James says that that means here. Okay, Amos Obadiah. Amos, one more page, Obadiah. For the day of the Lord is near. This is uh, verse 15. The day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen nations... As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reward or dealing shall return upon your own head. For as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yes, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. That's verse 16, which we're going to talk about a little bit. Verse 17, but upon the uh, upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, or those that escape, and there shall be holiness, and it shall be holy, in parentheses, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Verse 18, this is where I want to go. The house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. The house of Esau, see Edom and Esau are the same. The house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them and devour in them. And there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken it. That means Esau and all of his descendants, seems to me. And they are going to be burnt up, gone, history over. So now let's go to a familiar, at least to to my listeners, scripture, Jeremiah 51, verse 39 and 57. And uh, let's see what it says in the NLT. 
Jeremiah 51 and verse 39. And I'm going to back up a little bit. This is talking about Babylon. In verse 37, And Babylon will become heaps, or become a heap of ruins haunted by jackals, and she will be an object of horror and contempt, a place where no one lives. Her people will roar together like lions. They will growl like lion cubs. And while they lie inflamed with all their wine, I will prepare a different kind of feast for them. I will make them drink until they fall asleep, and they will never wake up again, says the Lord. And this is the NLT. Now, the the people that I'm referring to at Tentmaker, uh, at least that's the old name of it when Gary was alive, um, say, this doesn't mean what it says there. Just take a look at the, um, the Young's literal, and you'll see the difference. Well, let's just do that. Here's Young's book of Jeremiah. And we'll go to chapter 51. There are some things to be liked about this particular version. It's a literal translation. Let's see what it says. Verse 39, chapter 51, Jeremiah. In their heat I will make their banquets... And I have caused them to drink so that they exult and have slept a sleep age during. What does that mean? And awake not. An affirmation of Jehovah. Unquote. Age during to me means it it endures for but a time. A certain time. Verse 51 says, or um, 57 says much the same thing. And I have caused its princes to drink, and its wise men, its governors, its prefix, and its mighty ones, and they have slept asleep age during. And they awake not. An affirmation of the king, Jehovah of hosts, is his name. Well, these guys will quote all the way up to uh, the end of the, the phrase, they have slept asleep age during, but they didn't mention, and they wake not. It's right there in the literal translation put out by Young, Robert Young. Let's take a look at it in the Moffat translation. This was put out in the 1800s by um, a guy named James Moffat, M-O-F-F-I-T-T. He says in verse 39 of Jeremiah 51, I will feast them in my fury, make them drunk and stupefied, till they sleep the sleep that knows no waking. That's interesting. That's a different way to put it. And then in 57, I will make her 
nobles and her sages, drunk, satraps and regents and soldiers, till they sleep the sleep that knows no waking, says the king, called the Lord of hosts, unquote. Keep in mind that James Moffat translated this as accurately as possible because he was an atheist thinking that he could refute what was said in the Bible. Well, I think he changed his tune after he actually translated it himself. All that work. Can you imagine the volume of work? This was the man's life work. Wow. They will sleep asleep that knows no waking, says the king, called the Lord of hosts. Here God is saying there is annihilation. They're not awake somewhere else. Their spirit doesn't waft off to hell to be tortured forever. No, there's nothing left, not even a whisper of anything. They're dead. I mean, they're gone, stone-cold dead. This idea that we have an immortal soul is a myth. It's a myth. We need to look into the origin of that. It goes back to Plato, an early Greek philosopher. It was a philosophy of the Greeks. Who needs it? It's not real. It's not biblical. Now let's go to uh, the NIV and check that. And these guys do not have any respect for the NIV. I do have some, although it's not my favorite. In verse 8 of chapter 51, he says, Babylon will suddenly fall and be broken. Wail over her. Get balm for her pain. Perhaps she can be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she cannot be healed. So let's leave her and each go to his own land, for her judgment reaches to the skies. It rises as high as the clouds. The Lord has vindicated us. Let us tell in Zion what the Lord our God has done. Dropping down to uh, verse 37. Babylon will be a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, an object of horror and scorn, a place where no one lives. And then in 39, what a horror Babylon, wait a minute, I'm sorry. While they are aroused, I will set out a feast for them and make them drunk so that they shout with laughter and then sleep forever and not awake, declares the Lord. And that's the phrase they they leave off or miss out on. Dropping down to 41, how she... Shishak will be captured, the boast of the whole earth seized. What a horror Babylon will be among the nations. The sea will rise over Babylon. Here's a prophecy for you. Its roaming waves, roaring waves, will cover her. Okay, now cover where? I'm going to say Iraq, Syria, parts of Saudi Arabia and Iran. But that probably isn't the whole thing either. 
because Nebuchadnezzar ruled most of the known world at that time. That's pretty scary stuff. Her towns will be desolate, a dry and desert land, a land where no one lives, through which no one travels. I will punish Bel in Babylon and make him spew out what he has swallowed. The nations will no longer stream to him. The wall of Babylon will fall. And then dropping down to uh, 48, the heaven and the earth and all that is in them will shout for joy over Babylon. For out of the north, destroyers will attack her, declares the Lord. Babylon must fall because of Israel's slain, just as the uh, slain and all the earth have fallen because of Babylon. 99% of the terrorism that goes on in the world is caused by Muslimites, Mohammedans, um, Islam. So it is not a religion of peace unless you have to kill off every one of your enemies, which means there's no one left to speak. No one left alive. That's when there will be peace, according to Islam. It's disgusting, and God's going to put a stop to it. He says so right here. Babylon must fall. You who have escaped the sword, leave and do not linger. Remember the Lord in a distant land and think on Jerusalem. And then dropping to uh, 55, the Lord will destroy Babylon. He will silence her noisy din. Waves of enemies will rage like waters. The roar of their voices will resound. A destroyer will come against Babylon, and her warriors will be captured, and their bows will be broken, for the Lord is a God of retribution. That doesn't sound like everybody gets off scot-free. He will repay in full. He says, I will make her officials and wise men drunk, her governors and officers and warriors as well. They will sleep forever and not awake, declares the king whose name is the Lord Almighty. God means what he says and says what he means. Now, these waves of enemies, it may be that that's the waves he's talking about. However, in verse 64, he says, well, let's back up to um, 63. When you finish reading this scroll, tie a stone to it and throw it in the Euphrates and then say, so Babylon will sink to rise no more because of the disaster I will bring upon her and her people will fall. There's some also very scary and mighty things in all of Jeremiah from uh, chapter 48 to the end of it in 52. For example, in verse 35 of chapter 50, he says, A sword against the Babylonians, declares the Lord, 
against those who live in Babylon and against her officials and wise men, a sword against her false prophets, they will become fools. A sword against her warriors, they will be filled with terror. A sword against her horses and chariots, all the foreigners in her ranks, they will all become like women. A sword against her treasures, and they will be plundered. A drought on her waters, they will dry up, for it is a land of idols, idols that will go mad with terror. So desert creatures and hyenas will live there, and there the owl will dwell. It will never again be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah along with their neighboring towns, declares the Lord, so no one will live there. No man will dwell in it. Unquote. In verse 42, we find another allusion to the idea that this sea rising over Babylon will be an army. Verse 42 says, They are armed with bows and spears. They are cruel, without mercy. They sound like the roaring sea as they ride upon their horses. They come as men in battle formation to attack you, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon has heard reports about them, and his limbs hang... Or, and his hands hang limp. Um, anguish has gripped him and pain like that of a woman in labor. I want to go, uh, excuse me, go now to uh, Isaiah 34 and take a look at something here. This is also talking about Babylon. Isaiah 34. Well, in verse 1, Woe to you, O destroyer! You who have not been destroyed, woe to you, O traitor, who have not been betrayed. When you stop destroying, you will be destroyed. And when you stop betraying, you will be betrayed. O Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in time of distress. This is in chapter 33 of Isaiah. In verse 14 of chapter 33, he says, The sinners in Zion are terrified, trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? That's who God is, a consuming fire. He's consuming. Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? See, you can't live in everlasting burning. Well, let's drop down to chapter 34 for the sake of time here. Well, let's just see if this is um, really going to be underwater. In 34, starting in verse 8, For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of retribution, to uphold Zion's cause, that's Israel. Edom, or Esau's streams, shall be turned excuse me, turn into pitch, her dust into burning sulfur, and her land will become blazing pitch. It will not be quenched day or night, or night or day. 
Its smoke will arise forever. From generation to generation it will lie desolate, and no one will pass through it again. The desert owl and the screech owl will possess it. The great owl and the raven will nest there. God will stretch out over Edom the measuring line of chaos. I want to read uh, this out of the King James, uh, starting in verse 10, chapter 34 of Isaiah. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever from generation to generation it shall lie waste none shall pass through it forever and ever but the cormorant and the bittern now these are seabirds or, or these are water dwellers the owl and the raven will dwell in it and he will stretch out upon it the line of confusion and stones of emptiness can there be seabirds in the desert well on occasion, there are ponds, I suppose, but um, it looks to me like it's going to be pretty desert, d- desertified. Verse 41, or 40 of chapter 51 of Jeremiah says, As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, so uh, no one will dwell there. A people from the north, great and strong, many kings will rise up against her, etc. You can see by the clock I've got to go, but in their heat I will make their feasts and I will make them drunk so that they rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep in verse 39, chapter 51. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. We'll have to pick it up again some other time. But thanks for listening. You can go to the website, itellwhy.com. Nothing for sale, but I hope you have a great day, and thank you for tuning in.